Thank you. You can be seated and open your Bible, please, to the book of Acts chapter 1. And some of you recognize that's the last chapter we read this week in our New Testament reading plan. I was uh, blessed to talk a moment ago to somebody who was coming into this service sharing how they've uh, really enjoying their D group and reading these New Testament passages and taking notes during the, the sermon and how God's speaking to them and that just blessed my heart and I want to let you know that the new journals have arrived and and if you can't tell these are bigger than the original journals they're wider they're longer so maybe a little easier to write in but we have copies on either side of the room in the back and uh, you're welcome to pick up a, a, a journal if you need one today before I get into the sermon I want to thank you for praying for Monisa and her family and and for me uh, last week while we were in Kentucky for her her mother's funeral her mom was uh, was 89 and her death was expected so not a surprise but as many of you know that doesn't make it any easier and so your continued prayers for her and her brother and and her niece in particular are greatly appreciated we just wanted to say thank you for that gotten a lot of cards and uh, she, uh, last night we were going to bed I noticed she she had a stack of those cards reading them again so thank you for that for that as well it's uh, it's 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 really kind of sweet her dad Jack is 91 and for the last uh, nearly three years, they've been in the nursing home together in the same room. And neither one of them were able to walk, so they were, they were bedridden. And in the early days, Jack was able to get in a wheelchair and, and move himself around. And what was really kind of sweet here, at that time, he would have been like 89 and uh, Mabel 88 or 87. And, and uh, in his mind, now you, you have to understand, he's got some dementia uh, not full-blown Alzheimer's, so you can carry on a conversation with him, but it's one of those situations where in the same sentence, half of it is reality and half of it's not, and uh, and you just go with it. But in his mind, he was smiling and he's happy because from his perspective, the only reason he was in the nursing home, the only reason he was there was to take care of Mabel. <laughs> and when he was able to wheel himself around in the wheelchair, I've seen him go down the hallway and sometimes he'd reach over to that cart was and get out a, a clean gown for her and other things. He, so, you know, he, he's taking care of her even though he really couldn't, but that was his purpose and, and, and it made him happy. And, and the truth is all of us at every season in life need a reason to exist. We need, we need a, a purpose in life. That's really important. I want to talk about that today. Um, and, and, and really help us understand the difference in how the average person looks at their purpose in life compared to how we who are followers of Christ, we who are disciples of Jesus, understand our purpose in life. There are similarities, there are overlaps, but there's, there's, a, there's an important difference. If you talk to most people about what is your purpose, why are you here, what's driving you, We'll hear things like, well, I, I, I want to be a good person. I want to make a difference in the world and help people. Um, you'll hear people talk about, well, I want to be a good husband, a good wife, a good parent. I want, to be a, I want to have a great family and make sure I put my family first. People will talk about, well, I, I, want to, you know, I want to contribute to society. I want to do a good job in my job, in my career. Some will even talk about I want to advance and take care of my family by making as much money as I can make, provide for them and all that. And, and, and all of those things matter. 
All of those things are important. Each of those are priorities for us, or they, they should be. They, they, they matter. And they, they affect how we live. They affect our decisions, right? Two weeks ago, when uh, Kobe Bryant, the great basketball player for the Lakers, died in that helicopter crash along with his 13-year-old daughter and seven others that Sunday Sunday morning, such a you know sad and tragic story, all, all of those lives that are lost and people impacted. But in the days after, I saw an interview that Kobe did not long, long ago in which he talked about why he started using helicopters. Because he lived out in L.A. and getting over to the practice facility, he'd be stuck in traffic and it would take a lot of time. And he would get up early in the morning and do his exercise regimen and all of that. But he liked taking his kids to school. He liked being there when he wasn't on a road trip with the Lakers. He liked being home so he could actually pick up the girls from school. And he couldn't do that if he drove because he'd spend an hour and a half, two, two and a half hours just in traffic out in L.A. And so that's when he started leasing the helicopter so he could get from point A to point B quickly and get back to the house after practice, after team practice, so he could then get in the car and drive to the school and pick up his daughters because he wanted to spend as much time with them as he could. In his career, he, he may be gone for a week at a time. It wasn't unusual. And so he, when he was home, he wanted to maximize it. And, and so here's a, here's a young man because he's wanting to pick up his daughters from school because that's a priority, okay? His daughters are a priority in his life. That affected his decisions. It's true for all of us. Whatever is important to us, whatever our priorities are, whatever, whatever we say our purpose in life is, it shapes, it influences how we live, what we do, the decisions that, that we make. And all of the things I mentioned, whether it's, whether it's our family or our career or being a good person, those are important. Those are important to me. Those are important to you. They are important to us who are followers of Christ. Anybody disagree with that? All of those things matter to us. But, and this is an important but, none of those are our ultimate purpose as disciples of Jesus Christ. Our big purpose, our ultimate purpose influences how we handle all of those other things, family, career, money, being a good person, contributing to, the, to this community and making it a better place to live. Those are not our ultimate purpose. Our ultimate purpose shapes those things, but it's not our ultimate purpose. See, we're not just a human being. I'm not just a man. You're not just a man or, you're not, or, or a woman. We're not just members of a family. We're not just members of the community. We're not just people who have jobs and careers. We are above everything else, first and foremost, disciples of Jesus Christ. We are his followers. Following Jesus is not something that we add to these other areas. That is the essence of who we are. And since that is who we are, it shapes how we 
live as a husband, as a wife, as a parent. It shapes how we interact with people in this community and how we want to make this a better place to live. It, it shapes how we go about our career. It shapes how we view money and deal with money. But none of those, while they're priorities and, they're, and, and, and they matter, they're just as important to us as they are to other people, but none of those are our ultimate purpose. Our ultimate purpose is tied up in, grows out of the reality that we are disciples that we are followers of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to remind you of what we talked about in the fall, and then we're going to look at the book of Acts chapter 1. Back in the fall, we talked about what is a disciple. And to give us a framework for understanding that, we said a disciple is essentially three things. Someone who is following Jesus, someone being transformed by Jesus, and someone who is on mission with Jesus Christ. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, whether you were an 8-year-old child, a 28-year-old young adult, a 48-year-old middle-aged person, whatever your age, when you gave your life to Jesus, you became his disciple, his student, his learner, his servant, the one who carries on his mission, and so you follow him. You are constantly being changed and transformed by him, and you are on mission with Jesus, caring about the things that he cares about and th this week when I was reading our New Testament readings and I came to chapter 1 of Acts the interaction between Jesus and his first followers before he ascended back to the Father in heaven really resonated with me and spoke to this issue so Acts chapter 1 you're familiar with this passage but let's look at it together open your Bible please Acts chapter 1 starting at verse 6 Acts 1 Verse 6, the Bible says this. So when they had come together, now this is Jesus and all of his followers. This is after his crucifixion, after the resurrection. He spends 40 days appearing to them. Now he's ready to return to the Father in heaven. And so they gather together, and they were asking him, they were asking Jesus, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said, Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. Very nice way of saying it's none of your business. <clears throat> Verse 8, but you, here's what I want you to focus on, will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you, you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and even to the uttermost or the remotest part of the earth. Now, it's, it's interesting. I think in a very real way, Jesus is telling us that, that our ultimate purpose in life is to care about the things he cares about. That what interests him is supposed <coughs> to interest us. That his mission is our mission. And then that shapes and influences all these other parts of our life. It means that our life is a God-centric life, not a me-centric life. God's not an add-on. He is at the very core, very heart, very center of who we are. 
and we understand every relationship, every role in life out of our relationship with Him. That's who we are. And He speaks to that very, very clearly here. It's interesting. Jesus has been teaching them for those 40 days, we know from the Scripture, helping them understand who He was and what the Bible in the Old Testament had said about Him, preparing them for the ministry they were going to execute after He left. So He's getting ready to go back to the Father. And what's on their mind? Not the things that are on Jesus' mind. What's on their mind is, what can you tell us about the future? Is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Let's talk about the second coming. Let's talk about end times. Let's, let's talk about the future. And I know a lot of Christians who spend almost all of their time focused on that one subject matter. Don't want to study anything else in Scripture. Hardly ever invite anybody to church or share the gospel with anybody who's lost because they're consumed with wanting to understand all the intricacies of the future. And not as much interest in making a difference today. And Jesus said, that's not for you to know. That's not where I want you to focus, where I want you to park and live. That's not what I want to be the driving force in your life. What does Jesus want us to focus on? Well, remember that diagram of what a disciple is, following Jesus, being transformed by Jesus, and being on mission with Jesus? What did Jesus go to in response to them? He said, you are to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, and you are to do what? Be my witness. Be my witness. Be my witness. In Jerusalem... Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. There are always going to be things that are good and important which we care about that if we allow them to can cause us to take our eyes off of our ultimate purpose in life. that cause us sometimes to take our ultimate purpose in life and kind of put it on the back burner. <clears throat> and we'll get to it when we get to it because these other things take precedence. And these are good things, important things. Theology, the study of Scripture, the, th the study of the second coming, all of that is good. Nothing wrong with any of that. I enjoy that. We need to know what God says, but that's not our purpose. How many times have you heard me say in our focus on reading the New Testament, whether you're reading it on your own or you're part of a D group, our purpose is not to read the New Testament. Our purpose is to have a daily experience with Jesus Christ, a daily encounter with Jesus Christ that changes us as the Holy Spirit takes His Word and allows it to, to live within us and speak into us. I read the New Testament, but my goal is to be transformed and follow Jesus. There's a difference, and, and it may seem little, it may seem subtle, but brothers and sisters, it is significant. 
because I'm not reading and studying the New Testament just to read and study it. I'm reading it to get to know Jesus. I'm reading it so I can follow him and stay close to him. I'm reading it so I can hear him speak to my heart and my life. I'm reading it so I can grow and be changed and transformed. I'm reading it so I can do the things that he wants me to do. Be on mission with him. See, the purpose, the ultimate purpose, the big purpose always matters. Our family, our career. I like things that are practical, more so than just esoteric. And people like practical, and we so we want practical teaching and practical sermons. All right, how do I manage my time? And how can I be a better husband? And how can I be a better parent? And and how, how can I manage my finances? And all of that is good, and all of that is important, and we need all of that. But I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to become a fully devoted and developed disciple of Jesus Christ if your entire focus or your primary focus is how do I do this and how do I do that. Our focus has to be on the person of Jesus Christ and our relationship with Jesus Christ. And out of that, we'll learn. Listen, I'll learn how to manage money because I'm probably not willing to manage my money the way Jesus wants me to manage it if I'm not first growing in Him and as Him being my Lord. All the how-tos in the world won't create your in your heart a desire to do with money what Jesus says if you're not growing in Jesus Christ. So those, I'm not saying, listen, and I will preach those kind of sermons. I'm not saying those don't matter. They do matter. But brothers and sisters, I am saying that's not our ultimate purpose. Church is not just a place you come to to learn how to do some things. It's where we come to, to worship Jesus. It's where we come to, to grow in Christ. It's where we come to become more Christ-like, to unite together, to impact this world for Jesus Christ. Do you, do you remember some of the things Jesus said? You, you remember in Luke 14, you read it about three weeks ago if you're reading the New Testament with us. In Luke 14, verse 26, Jesus said, this is kind of tough. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Are you kidding me? That's what he said. Now, Jesus used hyperbola to make his point. He said it in a, a positive way, and, and uh, we'll show you the next verse. I think it's from Matthew 10 there. He said, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy worthy of me. Now, the Luke passage, he, he does it using hyperbola, makes, says it in a negative way, here's in a positive way, but it's the same principle, it's the same truth. And in Luke he adds, and even your own life, your own pleasures, your own hobbies, your own career goals. What is Jesus saying? He's, saying, he's, he's not saying those things don't matter. There's so many passages where Jesus makes it clear that your family matters. 
point he's making is he is to matter more if you are his disciple. Again, Jesus, Jesus is not an add-on. He's at the core of my life. And then that influences the kind of husband I am, the kind of son I am, the kind of brother I am, the kind of on and on. Remember the parable of the sower you read about four weeks ago in Luke chapter 8? Where Jesus talks about a farmer throwing seed and some of the fall, some of the seed falls on the hard path, some on the rocky rocks near the edge of the garden with a little bit of dirt, but it doesn't grow long. It just sprouts up quickly and then the sun scorches it and it dies because there's no depth to the root. And then there's some of the seed falls out in the dirt and it grows and it grows, but then the weeds grow too and choke it out. The thorns choke it out. And then there's the other seed that grows in good dirt and produces fruit. And what Jesus said in Luke is that the seed that falls among the thorns and the weeds, what are those weeds? What are the thorns that, that choke out productivity in a Christian's life, that, that choke out maturity and spiritual development in our lives as disciples? What are those weeds, those thorns? Jesus said, notice, notice this, he says it's the worries and riches and pleasures of this life. This is all the, all the stuff we care about. Jesus said those things, listen, we have life, we, we have family, we have jobs, we have hobbies, we have stuff, but if we get the priorities in the wrong order, it creates challenges. If, if you put those priorities above the ultimate priority of Jesus Christ and his mission for your life, then these other things that are good things that are more important to you than he is hinder your development as a disciple. They limit your growth. They choke out the productivity that God wants to produce in you. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's what, you, what we used to mean when you'd hear a preacher get up and preach on Jesus is Lord. Do you know what it means to say Jesus is Lord? It means he's the first priority. He has first place. And then it shapes everything, flows out of that relationship. Not Jesus is just another appendage over here that's, you know, I get to him, but these other things, these other things come first. It's not what I'm interested in. It's what he is interested in. And so my growth, my maturation, my productivity. So go back to the book of Acts. They want to know all about the future. And Jesus said, no, that's, that's not for you. In verse 8, he says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then you'll be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. A couple of things there I want you to see that maybe put some, some, you know, shoes on, on what I'm talking about. Here's, here's, here's practically what it means to say he's our ultimate priority. <clears throat> One, it means that, that we are to, to walk and live in the power of the Holy Spirit. A life that is surrendered to Jesus Christ, filled not only with his presence, but with his unction, with his power, with his wisdom, with his 
guidance. In John chapter 16, speaking about the Holy Spirit, Jesus said the Holy Spirit's going to do something when he comes into your life as a disciple. Notice this. He said when the Holy Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. That's why we say when you're reading the Scripture, the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and speaks into us what God knows we need at that moment. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears he will speak and will disclose to you what is to come. In other words, he says the Holy Spirit is going to to speak into you through the Word of God what God the Father says you need. And that's not going to happen if you're not willing to walk close to Jesus Christ. That's not going to happen if you're not willing to get into His Word and ask Him not just to teach you stuff, but to speak to you. There is a marked difference between learning stuff and hearing the voice of God for your life. Then Jesus in the very next verse said, the Holy Spirit will glorify me, referring to Jesus. So the Holy Spirit's role in our lives as disciples is always pointing us toward Jesus Christ, toward Jesus Christ, toward Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit does not draw attention to himself the way some charismatics focus sometimes. He always draws attention to Jesus Christ. Always. He glorifies Jesus. And that's his role in your life. Now, in the life of a lost person, he's still pointing them to Jesus. Because remember, Jesus in John's Gospel said when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So what does the Holy Spirit do in a lost person's life? He points them toward Jesus. What does he do in my life, in your life as disciples? He points us toward Jesus. And so it's as though Jesus is saying, what I want you to do is to live in me. And the power of God focused on me. If you do that, see if you're following Jesus, okay, you're following Jesus and you're being transformed because that's what happens when you focus on Jesus. You become a different person. You keep growing. You mature. You become more fruitful. You're transformed. The end result of that is you'll be on mission with Jesus Christ. That's the reason the very next thing he says in verse 8 is, and you will be my what? What? My witnesses in Acts 1.8. You will be my witnesses. Now, and if we're going to be on mission with Jesus and be his witness, let, let me put some shoes on that. You're not going to ask questions. Why are we trying to plant a church up in Pittsburgh? When you're on mission with Jesus, you're going to say, Yay, that's great. That's what we're supposed to be doing. When you're on mission with Jesus, you're going to want to give to our world mission offering. You'll want to know what our missionaries are doing and how you can be part of it in other parts of the world. Because Jesus said, you ought to be my witnesses to the very ends of the earth. When you're on mission with Jesus, you'll have a one. You're one. 
somebody in your life that God's put on your heart that he says, I want you to love that person. I want you to pray for that person. I want you to serve that person. I want you to share your testimony with that person. I want you to share the gospel with that person. I want you inviting that person to church. I want you hanging out with that person. That person I'm putting on your heart because they matter to me and because they matter to me, they are to matter to you. You'll have your one. Let me ask some questions. How, now listen, how does my growing in Jesus, okay, how does my growing in Jesus Christ hurt my family? Hmm? If I'm following Jesus and being transformed by Jesus and on mission with Jesus, if I'm growing in Jesus, please tell me how does that hurt my family. Sometimes it's as though we think if we really surrender to Jesus and allow him to be Lord and we focus on him and we grow in him and we get serious about this faith that I won't know how to love anybody. What? How does me growing in Jesus hurt my family? You know what it does? It makes me a better me. It makes you a better you. And if we're a better we, guess what? That means we're a better husband, better wife, better parent, better brother, better friend, better community member, better everything, right? I'll tell you what, you know, all those little things in life that that causes relationships and the family to be broken down over time, you know what I'm talking about? Immediate family, extended family. I, I got to tell you, when you're growing in Jesus, you can't just stay mad at people because He won't let you. When, when you're growing in Jesus, He's going to talk to you about forgiveness and kindness and gentleness and selflessness. It makes the family better. Why are you thinking it'll hurt your family? It'll help your family. Let me make some statements as I wrap this up. Putting my family ahead of my walk with Jesus actually hurts my family. Because I'm never going to be the best me if I do that. And I'm never going to show them by example the things that matter most. If I do that. Here's another statement. Putting my family before my walk with Jesus Christ actually hinders and hurts my walk with Jesus Christ. Because I'm not going to grow the way I'm supposed to grow. I'm just not. Because he's not first. Let me make another statement. Putting your children ahead of your walk with Jesus actually hurts your children. And putting your children before your walk with Jesus actually hurts their walk with Jesus. Because you are teaching them, whether you intend to or not, you are teaching them that they are bigger and more important in life than Jesus Christ. And that's not the lesson you want to teach your kids.
when you grow in your walk with Jesus, you'll be better equipped to love your kids. Because you all know this, being a parent or grandparent, if you're going to do it well, you've got you to grow in patience. You have to grow in forgiveness. You have to grow in wisdom. You have to grow in kindness. Because you can't be your best as a parent or grandparent if you're not growing in those things. And walking in Jesus helps you grow in those areas. So, Jesus is our ultimate priority, the ultimate purpose. Going back to Kobe Bryant. In recent years, as his daughters became more important to him, worship and faith became more important to him as well. They were flying on that helicopter that morning to a basketball game where his daughter was playing. Apparently she was very, very talented. But before they got on that helicopter that Sunday morning, they'd already been to church. They went to a 7 o'clock service. Then got on that helicopter. See, caring for your kids, caring for your family doesn't mean you can't put Jesus first. And you're going to show the people of this world and show the members of your family what's important to you but how you arrange all these priorities and your purpose. What's your ultimate purpose in life? It means we're going to have to be intentional. And, 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 and sometimes we're going to have to be, you know, sacrificial and put in some effort. You may have to get up a few minutes before your kids get up, spend some time with Jesus. You may have to do that. It's okay for you to let your kids and grandkids see you reading the Bible, see you on your knees praying. It's a good thing. It's okay to let your family know that when the Lord's Day comes, you're going to be in the Lord's house with the Lord's people. It's a good thing. And how you feel about money and everything else in life, you let them see that Jesus shapes all of that. So as we sing this song of invitation, I'm asking each of us just to renew our commitment to Jesus as our ultimate purpose in life. That, that we follow Him, we grow in Him, and we're on mission with Him, and we do everything out of that. All these other things flow out of that. We'll be better. We'll be better at everything we do. At everything we do. Because He matters more. Let's stand and sing. Pastors are here. Come to the altar and make your decision for the Lord. Kneel and pray. Speak with Jamie if you want to join this church or accept Christ or be baptized. Let's sing together. You come right now.